0: Yourself. If you want to receive, you got to give. You understand what I'm talking about? All these paradoxes in the Bible. This is a a paradox that sometimes bewilders us. How could Jesus tell us that we are happy because we mourn or we hurt? We're happy because we suffer. This text seems a little odd. Happy are those who mourn? There are so many questions about that thought. But honestly, I have to say this. This one is tough. This is a tough passage because we understand that mourning only comes when sorrow and grief are present. No one wakes up in his morning, in his right mind, or her right mind, and says, Today I am going to be happy because I am suffering. I can't wait to suffer. I can't wait to be grievous. No one in his or her right mind would enjoy mourning. It just goes against everything that we're we are. So when Jesus says, blessed are those, happy are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted, what is he trying to tell us? What's he trying to tell us? Well, first of all, let me explain to you what this word mourn, the Greek word for mourn means. It means to mourn or to lament. Merriam-Webster Online Dictionary says to feel or express grief or sorrow. The word is used ten times in our Bible in the New Testament. This grieving, this this expression of grief, I want to tell you number one is a certainty. It is a certainty. It's not if, but it is when. Now I would love to come to you tonight and teach this wonderful lesson and everybody leave out of here and we feel great about ourselves and we're enthusiastic and yay, yay, yay. But we have to talk about this because this is of utmost importance. Hurt will come. Grief will come. Pain will come. Sorrow will come. All throughout the Bible we are told that we are going to have to deal with these issues. We're going to have to deal with the subject of hurt. And the funny thing about hurt is it hurts. Pain is Painful. I know that sounds redundant, but sometimes we as believers see someone else going through pain, and we think, "Well, all you got to do is this, 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 and this, and you'll be fine." But you're not the one going through the grief. Uh, I get to spend time and, and more than I want to with those who have lost a loved one and are grieving. And I get to listen to what some people tell other people. And, it, and you don't know what to say. You're never trained on what you should say to someone who's lost someone. But they say the same cliché responses. And it really doesn't help them. It doesn't help them because grief is a process. Listen to what Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verses 1-4 through four says. To everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven... A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to pluck what is planted. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh and a time to mourn and a time to dance. One of the seasons in life and even in the life of a believer is a season of mourning. Of mourning. Job said it like this. In Job chapter 14, verses 1 and 2, and I just want to say the the main part of that verse, man born of woman is few of days and full of trouble. Full of trouble. Now there are various reasons why we mourn. I found these, I was reading Dr. David Jeremiah's book on... Happy are the hurting. And he listed these various reasons why we mourn. I thought they were so good. And I quote, he said, there are reasons why we mourn. There are tears of devotion. These are the tears that Mary shed on Jesus' feet. There are tears of concern as Paul cried as he preached to the Ephesian believers. There are tears of regret shed by the Ephesian leaders when Paul left. There are tears of anguish shed by Jesus in the garden over the will of the Father. There are tears of compassion when Jesus wept over Jerusalem as sheep having no shepherd headed to the slaughter. There were tears of sorrow that accompanied death and disappointments. There are many reasons why we mourn. And I don't think that Jesus is telling us not to grieve or not to be sorrowful. I don't think Jesus is telling us that when we're going through a major trial, we're going through suffering, we're going through disappointment, we're walking through the valley of the shadow of death, or we're, we've gotten bad news about our health, that we're to jump up and say, Woo-hoo-hoo, I get a mourn. But yet, sometimes in our churches, that's the way Christians act. And see, I think that pain and grief and sorrow are real. The Bible never tells us to pretend that sorrow is not real. You'll never find the Bible. You'll find the Bible preparing us for sorrow, telling us what to do when we're in sorrow, but it never says that we are to pretend that sorrow is not real. Listen, when we're going through a tragedy or a trial or a difficult circumstance... We can't bury our heads in the sand and say, I'm going to pretend like this doesn't exist. That's utter foolishness. You can't go around trouble. You can't go under trouble. You can't go over trouble. You can only go through trouble. Through trouble. Psalm 56.8 says this, God puts our tears in a bottle, and he keeps them in his book. God really, really cares for us. He does. Now, there are some misunderstandings, I think, about this text. First of all, there are some what we would call the health and wealth and prosperity preachers who would have us to believe that if you're right with God, you will never suffer, you will never have loss, you will never sorrow or grief. That is utter foolishness. Job was an upright man. Job did not go through all he went through because of his sin. Nowhere in the Scriptures is it taught that if you are right with God, you'll never have to mourn. Mourning, pain, sorrow is all a result of the fall of man. As long as we lived on this cursed earth... We will have to deal with it. There's a second misunderstanding. Some say that all sorrow and pain and grief is because you have sinned. No, it's not. Remember when Jesus healed the blind man and they said, uh, who, who sinned, this man or his mother and father that was blind since birth? And Jesus said, Neither. This whole thing was to reveal the glory of the Father. His blind condition was not a result of his sin. It was an opportunity to glorify God. There will be some who think, another misunderstanding, that you can will yourself to not sorrow. Now you might be a proponent of that and think that until sorrow hits you. And it humbles you. Adrian Rogers, who was a masterful pastor, preacher, he used to say, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you're either going into a trial, you're right in the middle of a trial, or you're just coming out of a trial. And the longer I live, I find that to be so, so true. So Jesus stands before them and He says, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. How in the world can we be happy when we mourn? How can we be blessed when we mourn? Well, first of all, I would say this. You have to remember that this applies to those who know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Jesus is not telling us that mourning will make us happy, but rather we can be happy when mourning comes because we have help. Now listen to me. I've preached a bunch of funerals. I've preached funerals of believers and I've preached funerals of unbelievers. And I will tell you there's a vast difference between preaching a funeral of a believer and an unbeliever. There's a vast difference at the funeral home between the family members that are left behind who are believers and who are those who do not believe. Remember in Thessalonians when Paul was writing to the church at Thessalonica about the rapture? And he said, We sorrow not as others who have no hope. There's a difference in sorrow. There's a difference. And so it's abundantly clear because Jesus has never promised comfort to the lost. But he does. Promise comfort to us. I want you to watch this. Look at verse 4. Blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. This word comforted is parakaleo. It is a verb in the Greek. It means to be called to one side. To call for summon. In John chapter 15, I'm going to sneak over real quick and read this. But when the helper comes or the comforter comes whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. He's speaking of the Holy Spirit and he uses this word, but he uses it in a masculine noun, which is parakletos, And it means one called alongside. He is telling the believers, he's going away, he's been preparing them in John, and he says this, he says, listen. I'm going to go away in chapter 14. I'm going away. And I'll come again. And he says, I have to go away because if I don't go away, then the Father won't send another comforter of the same kind, a parakletos, that masculine noun, which is the Holy Spirit. When Jesus stands before them and he says, Listen, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted, he ties it with the Holy Spirit... And he is going to let us know that number one, number one, when we mourn, we have someone called alongside us to help us. The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Jesus is saying to his disciples, when you mourn, the Holy Spirit comes alongside of you to help and strengthen you. The Holy Spirit walks through our pain with us. And He knows more than anyone that the pain we're going through sometimes is so great we don't recognize His presence. We don't recognize His help. But it doesn't change the fact that He's there and He's helping in His way. Secondly, when we mourn, we have someone to run to. Psalm 18.2 The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust. Psalm 34.18 The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and save such as have a contrite spirit. If you have a broken heart, The Word of God says that God is near you. Yet again, our pain sometimes is so great, all we can see is our pain and our sorrow. We don't see that God is near. And it doesn't change it just because you don't recognize it. It doesn't change the fact. It doesn't say He's near to those who have a broken heart and notice He's near. It doesn't say that. Says he's near the brokenhearted. So when we mourn, we have someone called to help us, the Holy Spirit. When we mourn, we have someone to run to, our refuge, Jesus, our Savior, and we have the Heavenly Father. Number three, when we mourn, we have someone to weep with us. In Romans chapter 12 and verse 15, he's speaking to the church Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep. With those who weep. Now if you get nothing else, hear this. Church, we're a family. And we are here for one another. What I lack in, you have and fill that void. What you lack in, I have and fill that void. And we work together, every joint supplies. I cannot overestimate the importance of the church family weeping together. Cannot. And I don't want to be so arrogant as to say what I'm going through is more difficult than what you're going through because what you're going through is the most significant thing in your life right now and what I'm going through is the most significant thing in my life right now and we have to come to an understanding that some other people hurt just as much as we hurt. And there's nothing wrong with not having all the answers. I've told you this illustration before. There was a man who, an elderly man who lived in a neighborhood, and his neighbor, there was a young girl, and he lived by himself, and he befriended her, and she would come over and get popsicles, and he would show her things about garden, and read books to her and everything, and and the families were real close. His daughter lived out of town, and the man passed away. At the funeral, this young girl went over to the daughter, climbed up on her lap, and they were saying something, and they hugged, and they were crying, and the dad was trying to figure out what his daughter was saying to this woman who's lost her father. He asked that woman later, or the little girl, excuse me, asked the little girl later, what did you say to that woman? And she said, Daddy, I didn't say anything. I just climbed up on her lap. And cried with her. We have a church family to weep with us. And guys, listen. This is what I can't stand about prayer meetings. I love prayer. I'm all for prayer and corporate prayer. But sometimes corporate prayer is not a prayer meeting. It's a gossip session. Gossip is, is, is kind of presented as a prayer request. And, and, and it shouldn't be that way. We ought to be the most loving people to be around. And when someone's hurting, I ought to be able to go and not ha- I don't have to have all the answers. I just got to be willing to weep with them. Why? Because the Bible says it's our responsibility as believers to rejoice when others rejoice and weep when others weep. There is no price On a timely hug, it's invaluable. And I'm so sorry that our world is so messed up that a hug is misconstrued as something inappropriate. The devil wants to take all of our human contact away from each other. Because of the importance of this. When you're going through something and you're you're embarrassed, you're ashamed, the church ought to be here to prop you up. I had a conversation with my wife and I have to tell you all this. One time I made a comment to a person and it was was an unbiblical comment and I didn't know when I made the comment that the person looked at me, and I didn't know, but I knew I'd hit a nerve, but I didn't know why. The crude comment I made was about someone being a homosexual. Little did I know that that person was struggling with a child that had that problem. And we look at sinners and we say, Man, I can't believe them. They're wicked. Look at what they're doing. But behind every one of those sinners is a mother and a father with a broken heart. And the church says, Tah, And uses words we shouldn't even say. When I found out I was so ashamed of myself, because that's not becoming of Christ. We talk about... Ah, they're just a dope head. But you know that dope head has a mom and a dad that's pleading with God for that child. We're so insensitive to the needs of people. We're so insensitive to what people are struggling with and they come in and sometimes they say something and it's off collar, and we're ready to jump back. Well, I'm gonna, Would you say that to me? And we don't know what they've gone through. We don't even know what they've gone through just to get to church. Yet, the Bible says, because Christ is in us, because Christ is in us, we should weep with those who weep. The Last time I went to the Sword of the Lord conference, I used to go every year. I loved it. I thought it was great. And I would love, I'll tell you what I loved most was after church they'd have tomato sandwiches. That's it. Just tomato and mayonnaise. You talk about, and they were great. I'm like, does anybody have American cheese? You know, I'm just sorry. But the last time I was there, there was a preacher. And he was preaching. And he was preaching hard and the place was going wild. And he literally stood up on the pulpit he looked out in the crowd and he said, you huzzy, you don't, you, don't, you don't intimidate you, me. You inspire me. You keep looking that way, I'm going to keep preaching. And the place was going, oh, amen, amen. And I thought, i got to get out of here. Could you imagine Jesus the woman to, well, you hussy, you've been with four men and you're with another woman now. But that's the way we do. And we're Christ followers. Christ followers. When's the last time that we were brokenhearted with someone in the church because they were struggling with something? They had a family member struggling with something. It's part of this being a blessing during mourning. When we mourn, we have someone to weep with us. That's what the church should do. We, Monica and I were talking before. We're a hospital. We're a spiritual hospital. Yet, we want to come in here, be all Christian, nothing out of place. Everything is good. Yet, Jesus went away from that. He was with sinners. Jesus wept at the tomb of Lazarus. He wept when he saw Jerusalem. He comes to the pinnacle and he looks down and he looks at Jerusalem and he sees them as sheep headed for the slaughter with no shepherd and he weeps. We have neglected this and we're not better because of it, church. Now, I think we do a pretty fair job but I think we could grow in this area. If I come to Jim and say, Jim, I, I notice you're struggling, buddy. I love you and Jim doesn't want to tell me what you're struggling about. I don't care. I want to cry and pray with you and I'll pray that God will bless you and I just want to be your friend. You don't have to tell me if you don't want to, but I'm going to tell God. I'm going to take you to God and I'm going to lift you up and I'm going to ask God to strengthen you and give you the answer you need. That's what we need to get back to. When we weep, we have someone, when we mourn, we have someone to weep with us. Number four, when we Mourn, we have promises to give us hope. I would like you to go to Second Peter. If you have it'll be on the screen, you don't have to turn there. But Second Peter chapter one and verse four says this. By which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises. Now watch this. That through these, these promises, you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Oh friends. Can you see it? We have exceedingly great, precious promises. And when we mourn, we have those promises to look forward to. Hebrews 13, 5, I will never leave you nor forsake you. That is a bedrock promise. You may, I, you may feel, well, I don't feel like God is here. I, I, I'm sorry that you feel that way. I sympathize with you, but you're wrong. God is, because His Word says it, and He cannot lie. He will not lie. When we mourn, we have the promises to give us hope. Number five, when we mourn, we have something to look forward to. I love this. Man, I can't can't help it. I just love John chapter 16. Jesus is speaking in Matthew chapter 5 primarily to his disciples. In John chapter 16, in verse 22, he tells them this. Therefore now you have sorrow. But, but it's contrast. Something's going to happen that's going to take you away from the sorrow you have now. But when you see, or I will see you again, and your, sor- and your heart will rejoice, and your joy no one will take from you. Did you see that? You have sorrow now, but I'll see you again. And when I see you again, your heart will rejoice And your joy no one will take from you. When you and I see Jesus, when our faith faith has become sight and we stand before Him, when we see Him, our heart will rejoice. And the joy that we have, no one will be able to take away from that. We'll have no mourning, no sorrow, no pain, no grief. Revelation 21, 4. Revelation 21, 4 says this And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Now listen, there shall be no more death, no sorrow, no crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. <laughs> There'll be nothing to mourn over. The tears will be wiped away. We will be with Him. Throughout all eternity. Unbelievers can't say that. Unsaved people can't say that. Mourning will be done away with only when we are Jesus. But until then, we have the help of the Holy Spirit. We have the refuge of God. We have the love of our church family. We have the promises of the Word. And we have a future with Jesus Christ. When we mourn, if we remember those things, it's not going to erase the pain, but it's going to help us. See, he says, the reason we will be happy when we mourn is because we are comforted. We are comforted. We are blessed because when we mourn, we are blessed because we have help from the Lord. Morning will come. It's going to be hard. Perhaps the hardest thing you will ever have to endure. There's no magic pill. There's no magic prayer. There's no magic prayer that will take grief and pain away. But you will not walk alone. You will be comforted. I was at Camp Ashland, Nebraska, when my mother had her stroke. They called me in the middle of the night. Amy was at her sister's in, in um, North Carolina. I had to arrange, of course I couldn't sleep. I had to arrange getting home and all that. And at, in the middle of the night in the Army, you have, a, you have a, uh, uh, someone who's on watch there, and you, you can't get anything done. So we got tickets and everything and I, the next day I flew out and uh, we went to the hospital. My uncle picked me up at the airport in Huntington and drove me right to the hospital. got out and went in, saw my dad, saw my family, and stayed there for a while. We had people in and out, in and out, and out. Slipped up, I took my Bible and I slipped up in St. Mary's in a room that was, um, it was a spiritual room, I guess they had places for There was a statue of Mary in there and some Catholic things, but I was going in there to pray. and I'll never forget, I was in there and I was sitting in the floor and I was praying, I had the Bible in the chair in front of me, and I was praying and I fell asleep while praying. I woke up, I felt so guilty and so horrible because of that. I felt terrible because I had prayed and prayed and prayed until I fell asleep. And if I, maybe if I just prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed a little longer, things would have been better. But I will tell you this. I will tell you this. I don't know, still don't know to this day. But I would have never gotten through had it not been For the Lord. Had it not been for a church that loved my family and me and my mother. Wouldn't have made it. So I don't know what to tell you when I stand before you. Someone that doesn't know the Lord. How they get through things like this. I don't know what to tell them. I don't know what to tell them. I can't stand at a funeral of someone who's died and there are people out there that are unsaved. I can do nothing for that person in the casket. And I tell them the gospel because that's all I can tell them. I can't tell them that they have the Holy Spirit to help them. I can't tell them that they have God to run to. I can't tell them that they have the love of a church family. I can't tell them that they have the promises of the Scriptures. I can't tell them that they have a future with Jesus but I can tell you that because you believe in Jesus Christ. And it's not going to take away your pain. You're not going to be able to pray enough that the pain vanishes. But you will have the help of God. You will have your church family And you will get through and you will be blessed because you have come when you mourn. And I will tell you this. You ask the unsaved person that's gone through it and they will tell you if they were honest. They wished they could have. Comfort you have Keith Matheny is one of my best pals Keith Matheny was preaching in Michigan when his grandfather died Papaw Matheny Papaw Matheny was his hero he, he was best friends with his Papaw I attended the funeral of his Papaw and I'll never forget Keith Matheny and his brother-in-law, Mickey, and Papa Matheny, they were all huge red fans. They showed up in shirts and a red hat, Red's hat. And they had a they had a a funeral that was different than most funerals. It was more of a celebration of life because. Hapo Matheny knew Christ, and they were comforted with these things I've laid out to you. And their funeral was different. There was sorrow. There was grief. But listen to me, church. But there was comfort. You cannot buy comfort. You can only receive it from God. So when you and I are facing these challenging times and we're going through and we're going to mourn and we're going to hurt and we're going to react the way we shouldn't, God knows all that. But He's still going to come alongside us and comfort us. He's still going to lead us and guide us. There's no timetable. I can't say this, 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 and this. Some people, they argue back and forth. Some people say that Job's plight only lasted between seven and nine months. Some scholars like to say, oh, it was many years. We don't know for sure. But I will tell you this. I'll tell you this. You and I will be blessed in our mourning because we have the comfort of God. May that help you. So what? What do you do? You just keep crying out to the Father. You, you talk to Him. You pour your heart out. You surround yourself with your church family. And you let the grief process take its, take its toll. You let it do its thing. And you receive the comfort of the Father when you're walking through it. The comfort of the Holy Spirit. And God will bring you through. God will bring you through. Father, help us, Lord.